This is the Sports Team Histories Podcast. In this podcast, I provide a brief history of major professional teams across different sports. Today's episode features the New York Knicks. The story of the New York Knicks and basketball, similar to football, originates with a transition from popular amateurism to professionalism. College ball was increasing in both popularity and profits in New York City in 1946. The problem was that college players had nowhere to showcase their skills following their graduations. The story of the Knicks begins with a New York sports writer and an arena owner chatting over dinner. Max Case was a New York sports writer who became the sports editor at the Boston American in the 1930s. It was here where he met Walter A. Brown. Brown was the owner of the Boston Garden. Case pitched an idea that would revolutionize both New York City and the future of basketball. He believed that there was profit to be made in a professional basketball league where college graduates would showcase their talent. Brown loved the idea. After all, there was no money to be made at the Boston Garden when professional hockey teams were playing on the road. The Commodore Hotel in New York City was the site of a meeting in which 19 individuals, including Case and Brown, agreed to unite as the Basketball Association of America. On June 6, 1946, charter franchises were granted to major cities throughout the United States. This meeting included a recognized college basketball promoter, retired sports writer, and president of Madison Square Garden, Ned Irish. While Max Case wanted complete control over the New York franchise, Irish's money and connections ended up winning over the other members. By claiming that Madison Square Garden could only host a team that it owned, Ned Irish became the team owner of the New York Knicks. The name of the Knicks originated in what Irish hoped was something representative of the city of New York. Washington Irving first coined the term Knickerbocker in his book A History of New York. The term referred to the descendants of the original Dutch settlers in New York. Later on, this term extended to the general New York population. Following attributing a name to his franchise, Ned Irish embarked on a mission to find a head coach for his team. St. John's University coach Joe Lapchick was his target. Lapchick, in exchange for a promise that he would be the highest paid coach in the league, agreed to coach the team after a final year at St. John's, where he hoped to win a national championship. So while Lapchick was the first official head coach of the Knicks, Manhattan College coach Neil Colin took the interim role for the first official year of the franchise. The first ever training camp for the Knicks was held in the Catskill Mountains at the Neville Country Club. 25 players were invited to attend for three weeks, and they meshed together incredibly quickly. November 1st, 1946 marked the first game for the New York Knicks, and the first professional basketball game in history, as they faced the Toronto Huskies at Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens. Over 7,000 spectators witnessed the Knicks' 68-66 victory. Leo Gallia led the Knicks in scoring with 14 points. Despite Madison Square Garden serving as the Knicks' official home, scheduling issues forced them to play many home games at the 69th Regiment Armory during the infancy years of the franchise. The Knicks finished their first season with a record of 33-27 and a playoff berth. Despite defeating the Cleveland Rebels in the quarterfinals, the Knicks were swept by the Philadelphia Warriors in two games in the semifinals. While the Knicks had a relatively successful first season, Colin had a step down. Remember? Because Joe Lapchick was ready to take on the head coaching ring. Lapchick brought a fast-paced style to the game as well as six new players, including guard Carl Braun and the first non-Caucasian professional basketball player and Japanese-American guard, Wataru Misaka. 
Dick Hollow, Bud Palmer, and Paul Brown accounted for half of the team's offense throughout the season. The Knicks record at the end of season number two dropped to 26-22. They earned a playoff matchup against the Baltimore Bullets, who defeated them taking the series 2-1. The following season added more promise to the Knicks as they drafted center Dolph Shays and Harry Gallatin. Fortunately, the team was not certain that Shays would be a good fit and they would promptly lose him to the National Basketball League Syracuse Nationals. This was a league that competed with the Basketball Association of America. Despite this loss, the Knicks ended the season with a record of 32-28 and made the playoffs for the third straight year. In a rematch of the previous year, the Knicks faced the Bullets once again. This time they won the series 2-1. Unfortunately, the success did not continue, as they lost to the Washington Capitals in the semifinals 2-1. Remember that center the Knicks did not want? Dolph Shays? He didn't go away for long, as the 1949 season marked the merger of the BAA with the National Basketball League to form the National Basketball Association. The Knicks continued the regular season success as they earned another playoff berth after winning 40 games. This time, they made it to the Eastern Division Finals, where they lost to Dolph Shays Syracuse Nationals. Oh, sweet revenge. The 1950s season marked another moment in history as the Knicks became the first professional basketball team to sign an African-American player with the requisition of Sweetwater Clifton. The Knicks finished with a 36-30 record and finally reached the NBA Finals. Despite making it one step further in the playoffs, the Knicks were ousted by the Rochester Royals. The next two years would not mark better fortune as the Knicks were defeated in the finals by the Minneapolis Lakers both years. After two more years of playoff appearances but no success, Lapchik resigned, citing health-related issues. In February 1956, Vince Borla stepped on the scene as head coach with a victory over the St. Louis Hawks. However, the two years that followed led to missed playoffs and a second head coach resigning in April of 1958. The following decade looked much the same. Andrew Levine, Carl Braun, remember him? He was the guard the Knicks acquired in their second season. Eddie Donovan, Harry Gallatin, another former player, and Dick McGuire all failed to guide the Knicks as head coaches to the promised land. In fact, on March 2nd, 1962, the Knicks faced the Philadelphia Warriors in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and will forever go down in history, as this was where Will Chamberlain set the NBA record, which still stands today, for most points in one game after dropping 100. The Warriors won that game, 169-147, case you were wondering. It was not until the late 60s and early 70s that the Knickerbockers would enjoy championship success. William Red Holdsman would be the man at the helm as the Knicks began constructing a roster that included rookies Phil Jackson and Walt Frazier, along with 1968 All-Stars Dick Garnett and Willis Reed. In the 69th season, the Knicks went on a run of 18 straight wins, a single season record at the time. They took out the Bullets and the Bucks on their way to facing the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA Finals. The series was tied 2-2 and Willis Reed tore a muscle in the second quarter of Game 5. Despite trailing by 16 points, the Knicks managed to pull it off and won Game 5 without Reed. Without Reed, however, Game 6 would be a different story. The Knicks went on to lose that game, which set up a winner-go-home Game 7 scenario. Game 7 proved to be one to remember for the Knicks as Willis Reed took the court, torn muscle and all, and scored the first two buckets for his team. He would not make another shot for the remainder of the game, but his effort was enough to motivate the Knickerbockers to win the game by a score of 113-99, and their first NBA championship was in the books. 
At the conclusion of the series, Willis Reed was awarded the NBA Finals MVP, making him the first player to win the All-Star Game MVP, League MVP, and Finals MVP all in one season. The Lakers did get their revenge in 1972 when they knocked out the Knicks in the NBA Finals, only to then lose the following year to those same Knicks, who promptly secured their second NBA championship by winning the series in five games. The following year would mark the last season for Willis Reed and culminated with an Eastern Conference Finals defeat at the hands of the Boston Celtics. With Reed's departure came gloomy times for the Knicks. After three seasons with losing records, Red Holzman was ousted in New York and replaced by none other than hometown hero Willis Reed. While Reed did succeed in getting the Knicks back into the playoffs, his squabble with Madison Square Garden President Sonny Werblin led to his dismissal and the rehiring of Holzman, a move that did nothing to improve the team. Holzman would retire after one more season, he would go on to become one of the winningest head coaches in NBA history, and a man that successful head coach Phil Jackson credited with having a significant influence over his career. Kobe Brown would take the reins during the early 80s, but success for this team would not come until the arrival of perhaps the most famous name in Knicks history, Mr. Patrick Ewing. The first ever NBA draft lottery took place in 1985. The New York Knicks won the first overall pick and selected center Patrick Ewing from Georgetown. Despite earning the Rookie of the Year award, Ewing did not enjoy team success in New York under the coaching of Hubie Brown or his replacement, Bob Hill. It was not until Rick Pitino took charge in 1987 that the Knicks made the playoffs with newly acquired guard and MVP candidate, Mark Jackson. Unfortunately, they were knocked out in the first round by the mighty Boston Celtics. Rick Pitino, Stu Jackson, and John McLeod all took the Knicks to the playoffs, but all failed to win a championship for New York in the 80s. Even Pat Riley, who had won four championships with the Lakers, could not get the Knicks to the promised land, as Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls continuously, year after year, proved to be their kryptonite. And when Jordan announced his first retirement in 1993, the Knicks' hopes flew sky high, but they were quickly crushed and grounded when they finally reached the NBA Finals in 1994, only to have Hakeem Olajuwon's tipped ball force the Game 7, and then be thwarted by Pat Riley's insistence on keeping John Starks in the game despite his futile 2 of 18 shooting performance. Reggie Miller would take the spoiler role the following season as his clutch shooting kept the Knicks from advancing after a last second finger roll that would have tied the game by Patrick Ewing just could not find the bottom of the basket in game 7 of the second round of the playoffs in 1995. The Pacers advanced and the very next day Pat Riley walked. The Knicks would sign Don Nelson as a replacement but he only stuck around for a cup of coffee before receiving his walking papers. Unproven Jeff Van Gundy stepped in and led the Knicks back to the playoffs where they were ousted by, you guessed it, Michael Jordan's Bulls. The Kyrie Tires comes back and still sticks it to the Knicks. The 96 season was an interesting one. Larry Johnson and Allen Houston fortified the Knicks who went 57-25 and and swept the Charlotte Hornets in the first round of the playoffs. In the second round, however, Pat Riley would make his return to Madison Square Garden, this time as the head coach of the Miami Heat. The Knicks were in command of the series 3-1. In Game 5, however, everything turned. At the time, an NBA rule stipulated that a bench player may not leave the bench during a fight. At the end of Game 5, a brawl erupted leading to the suspension of Ewing and Houston for Game 6, and Johnson and Starks for Game 7. Charlie Ward was suspended for both games, and the Knicks lost the series. Since then, the NBA rule has been amended to say that a player may not leave the bench area during an altercation. The Knicks would continue to have their hearts broken the following year by Reggie Miller's clutch shooting and then the year after that by the Spurs' Avery Johnson winning shot. 
After once again losing to the Pacers in the playoffs the season after that, Patrick Ewing was traded to the Seattle Supersonics and an area of greatness, but no championships ended in New York. Ewing's departure marked the downfall for the Knicks. Coach after coach, player after player, the Knicks could not figure it out. Signing high-priced free agents and executing trades never returned the Knicks to playoff success. It took the team eight years to realize that a rebuild was necessary. Even this, however, has not been successful. Brief moments of joy have given New Yorkers hope. Whether it was the explosion of Lynn Sanity or the arrival of the savior in Carmelo Anthony, all of these happenings proved to be brief moments of euphoria that did not generate long-term success. On March 18, 2014, the Knicks announced that they had named Phil Jackson president of the organization. Jackson's ideals included bringing some of the LA glory to New York. Whether it was instituting the triangle offense, bringing in Derek Fisher as head coach, or replacing Fisher with Kurt Rambis, Jackson's insistence on reliving the past is the Knicks in no better of a place than in 2000, when Patrick Ewing departed. For New Yorkers, the hope lives on. The Knicks have a total of nine player Hall of Famers and four at the management level, including Red Holtzman and Rick Pitino. They are unique in that they have been officially hosted by Madison Square Garden for their entire existence. Despite slight modifications to the design, the Knicks have retained their white, blue, and orange trim uniform. The Knickerbockers have a total of eight retired numbers, including number 613 for Red Holtzman. They have a total of two NBA championships and eagerly await the raising of a third banner, something that has not happened in almost half of a century. Thank you for listening to the Sports Team Histories podcast. On next week's episode, I share the story of a team that will be hosting this year's Major League Baseball All-Star Game, the San Diego Padres.